0: I want to take a moment before we start the episode proper and say that black lives matter. Murders at the hands of police, including but not limited to that of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, are despicable and unjustified under any circumstances. It has been inspiring to see the outrage reaching a boiling point, changes starting to be made, and more and more people educating themselves and learning how to be a better ally. And here's your word of encouragement. Don't let it stop. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And it doesn't just involve protesting, it includes donations, voting, forcing politicians to hear your voice, calling out racist friends and family, continuing to educate yourself and others, amplifying black voices, and so much more. Not just now, but in your everyday life. It's okay to step back for a moment to recharge, but don't let that burnout be permanent. Please stay engaged. And that doesn't just mean political things. Black people are everywhere. They're entertainers, authors, podcasters, comedians, musicians, and talented ones at that. Work to bring those people into your life as well. Hearing and seeing things from another's perspective can never hurt, and who knows, you might find your next favorite band or movie or anything else. The biggest message I have right now is please, don't give up. The music of today's guest certainly falls nicely into the idea of perseverance. Craig Bideman just released his first full-length album in seven years under the new moniker of Fragile Bird. Rather than being an acoustic singer-songwriter project as in the past, Craig has switched to a collaborative process featuring his own spoken words with backing instrumentals, something we certainly dive deep into on our conversation. As a last note, the album is officially out now and you should listen to it. However, there's talk in this episode of the Kickstarter, which has since been canceled. In Craig's words, the spirit of the album is finding healing for pain and human suffering. So I think it's important to focus on supporting the healing and survival of those who are truly hurting right now. As a cisgender white man, I am in a massive place of privilege. So I want to use my voice and space to advocate for others rather than ask for money when so many other communities could use that support. I've dedicated myself to social justice and this movement feels pivotal and critical, so I want to take my time and energy away from focusing on this campaign at the moment, and instead place my energy on supporting the communities of black and brown individuals experiencing grief and trauma right now. Craig pointed to the Mass Bail Fund as one of the many organizations that you should consider supporting. I will of course link their information in the show notes. For those interested, a Kickstarter will likely be relaunched sometime later this year, so be sure to follow Fragile Bird and stay tuned for updates on that. since there's still going to be like about a week left, I think when the episode goes up, like what's your kind of like elevator pitch for the Kickstarter?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. So for the Kickstarter, it's, um, um, my hope is that folks will give spoken word a chance and allow it to be something that is um, seen as a full on art rather than just a guy saying a bunch of words um, there, there's a lot that goes into it. And with the Kickstarter, I just want people to have physical music. I love physical, like physically having music in my hands. And so for folks who want to have uh, my project in their hands, that's the, that's the reason the Kickstarter exists. It's basically a way of pre-ordering uh, the album. As long as we get to the money, to get to the goal, <laughs> it'll be a full on pre-order like we did with the last album I put out.
0: Yeah. And I feel like most Kickstarters include the funding of the recording. Um, so like, what is it that made you decide to kind of stick with just the the physical portion of it being funded? So
1: yeah, that's a good question. Um, because I was actually kind of concerned that the Kickstarter wouldn't get approved because of that, um, (laughs) um, to, to be honest. And so, um, my whole, um, my whole original goal was just to create this album, have it, put it out digitally, maybe do something physical down the road. Um, but I am an impatient person. And so I was like, once, uh, I paid for all of the, uh, mixing, the recording, the paying of all of the per- music producers on the album. Um, the mastering, I paid for everything out of my pocket. So uh, basically, my hope was that everyone else would pay for getting the the, the massive physical release put together. Mm-hmm. So um, and that's just a cool way of just getting more eyes and ears on the project itself. So that's also a big reason why I just wanted to do the Kickstarter that way. Because last time we did my last Kickstarter um, in twenty sixteen or seventeen. Um, that was to fund everything, so mm.
0: yeah, and I think it 's like it 'll be interesting to see how people like you know typically at the end of a Kickstarter campaign is kind of like you know the last push anyway, mm-hmm. but like with the music being you know actually out and available it 'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see like how that like how do you think that'll kind of potentially change things
1: so i 'm aware that <laughs> um spoken word isn't everyone's cup of tea i get that and so my whole idea was i'm gonna put this out there i'm gonna start the kickstarter i'm gonna give people the opportunity to hear the album hear how proud i am of it hear all of the crazy different types of music as you've heard listening to it um It's all over the place. And so, like, I think it caters to a lot of different ears um, and a lot of different styles. So, my hope was once people heard it, they'd be like, Yeah, I want to support that. Mm And um, I want a physical copy of that because it's going to be a five day overlap. And my goal is uh, once um, it's out the next day on the sixth, I'm going to start, um, I'm going to do like a couple live readings and I'm going to start sharing information about each song uh, before the kickstarter is uh, done so hmm. just give folks a whole lot of inundations with my <laughs> with my project.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like even just the description on the kickstarter is like way more in depth than most of them and i guess that probably speaks to your uh, outwardness and your preparedness <laughs> i'm very high context <laughs> <laughs> but so what was it like kind of like you know, forming those thoughts into ways that you could like present them without having the music presented to people at the same time.
1: Yeah. So like with the, so with the last Kickstarter I did, um, I think the premise got a lot of people interested in it because it was an album for my dad. For those who aren't aware, I put out an EP in 2017 called Farewell and it was about losing my father. And uh, especially a lot of people close to me wanted to support something that like had to do with me losing my dad because they were like, they knew my dad or they were close to my dad in some form. And so nothing had been recorded at that point. And so people really took a big chance on, the project in that way and so I really had to like sell it like this is going to be a cool thing this is going to be a full project this is like this is going to be something you want to listen to and people weren't going to hear it for eight months or so (laughs) (laughs) so like it took a while for us to actually get it done and so I really had to pitch it and with this one my when I was done with it and when I was writing out everything on the kickstarter I was like you know what I know how good this is I know how proud I am of this. I know how much work and how many people put time into this project. I'm that, I'm that confident that people will enjoy it. Like Hmm. that's like, that's kind of the, the mentality I had when it came to like putting everything together for this project, because I really wanted people to see, like, um, I take this seriously and I've been doing spoken word since, early in college so for well over a decade I've been doing spoken word performances and even when I would perform with my acoustic guitar and um, my old style I would do spoken word in between or start out my set with a spoken word piece and I I would then say like hey if this isn't your if this isn't your jam you're gonna be bombed out for the rest of this (laughs) because like I liked to tie that and now with this project Fragile Bird that's like the whole thing now Like, Mm -hmm. I wanted that to be clear in the Kickstarter, too. This is the whole thing now. This is what I'm doing now. I'm collaborating with musicians and artists to put out my words. That's Mm -hmm. really what I'm doing now.
0: And so was that kind of, like, freeing for you in a way? Like, kind of switching from, you know, having it be, like, a solo musical project to, you know, you taking on just the words and someone else taking on the music side?
1: It's freeing, and it's also, like, really challenging at the same time because especially for the tracks there were like four tracks on the album that had um people write specifically for the album Mm -hmm. there were other tracks that were like i adapted or just like people let me have their track and i paid them for their track their beat whatever um And especially for those four that I basically had no idea what I was getting after I sent them the words, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was getting back. Full of Fear was one of those, like the single, um, Gospel, um, the title track, and I Might Dissolve, all of those tracks. I had no idea what I was getting when I had to do the final run through of the song. Mm -hmm. So it's freeing in that I get to do things on my own, (laughs) which is great. (laughs) like words wise I don't have a lot of people judging what I'm saying Mm -hmm. or like if you were in a band like there'd be a lot of heads talking but um, it's challenging because it's it's a good way to have to write around what people are creating for you or just have created in general Mm -hmm. because I'll have an idea I'll have written out something I'll typed out something I'll have this idea that I think will work and then the second I hear the music or the second we're like um, processing this, like recording, i realized, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> oh, oh no. Like I'm going to have to reframe all of this. And so like, I had to, I had to challenge myself a lot just to be able to get some of the ideas in there in a succinct way that didn't feel cluttered and could actually have a good flow to it. Um, cause like, I really try to focus on flow as well.
0: As much as I'm not a rat, oh <laughs> <laughs> um, so for the songs that um where the music was created like specifically for the album how did that process kind of like work out like did you have the like the rhythm of your words before um they were sent over or was it were they the musicians working solely off of the written word
1: so it was so i would talk with each of the each of the musicians about um the tone or the style or the the mood that I wanted for that track, the atmosphere, whatever. Um, and then I would send them the words in a dry read. I would just send them, This is me reading the words. This is me reading the words. This is me reading the words. Like, I'd like read the whole thing through so they could see how about how long they needed to fill of music. Mm-hmm. And then I told them, Just write whatever comes to you, just put it together. And then I will perform it. Um, so, um, I sent them a dry read that's also kind of a performance so they could get the mood of what I was going for. But then they would send me their music and I would listen to it. We'd okay it or we'd talk about what we wanted to change a little bit. Then I'd give a performance of it, send it back and just make sure that they were they were happy with how it sounded. Mm-hmm. So it was um, like a good collaboration in that way so that we actually were both kind of like having our ears Put to it so we could just make sure it sounded good and was mixed properly and then Daniel from future teens who I who produced the entire thing with me and mixed the whole thing uh, he and I would just go back and forth about what we wanted to do and change with the with the songs so there was at least three people involved with every
0: song <laughs> that's a really cool like system of checks and balances I feel like yeah yeah and and for the ones where the tracks were already existing was it more that, did you mention that you kind of had to, you know, tr- change some of them in a way or were the, was it like straight the track, you know, the way that it existed previously?
1: So I didn't really change any of the tracks that people sent sent me that I was able to use um, for the remaining tracks that are on there. Um, I reached out to friends, a couple of friends from college, a couple friends from here in Boston. And I would just be like, Hey, do you have anything that you would be comfortable with me putting words over? Mm-hmm. Cause I just have friends who make instrumental stuff. <clears throat> and, um, I had a, almost everyone was like, here's a band camp link, <laughs> pick one. And I did that. And so I basically put my words to those projects, to those mm-hmm. pieces. Um, and so, uh, like in my lungs is done that way. Um, I Fed Them Fire, which is probably my favorite track on the album itself, um, was um, one of the hardest ones to put to the music because Matt Politowski, who produced that track, um, the second I heard it, I knew I needed to do something with it. Um, I, he put out this album, Eight Emanations, like two years ago, three years ago, probably. Oh. And, um, and I heard it. And I actually uh, collaborated with him on another track as well that's also on that album, just because it's, so, it's such amazing atmosphere that he creates. And so I was like, I'm going to do something with this and um, mapping it all out, like mapping out where I wanted my words to be in each song, in mm. each music, in like each piece was the hardest part because I would write everything. I'd have it all there in front of me. I'm like, all right, how do I make this fit? So it isn't just me talking straight <laughs> through, but mm-hmm. I actually have to like go along with the timing of everything. So, cause I feel like there's, um, you're able to just like do a straight read and then just put it over the music and call it a day, mm-hmm. but that's not interesting. <laughs> For sure. So I had to actually like make it interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I think that like really succeeded because in some ways like it almost feels like more of a performance than like a farewell. Like there's almost like a thea- thea- uh, theatricality to it in some ways. Um, so like, how, how did that approach kind of like, how, how did that differ from your past uh, stuff?
1: Um So for what, all the things that I was playing music on, when I was playing guitar, um, I'm very, I'm a very self-conscious guitarist. And so mostly because I, Taught myself. I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing, and I've just kind of like figured stuff out on my own. And so, when I would perform, like learning to sing and play guitar at the same time was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I recorded my album, the last full length that I did with Foreign Lips and Strange Tongues in 2013, this is seven years since I put out a full album. Um, is nuts. But um, when I did that one, I felt comfortable and confident in what i was doing and so i i recorded everything straight through with the guitar and then i just like rocked out doing all the vocals and i just (laughs) tried to like have as much fun as possible because i had that was the first time i really collaborated with a friend who was um producing it with me and he was like i just want to see you have fun doing this and i was like all right i will (laughs) so i did and then with farewell it was a lot of a collaborative process because Um, I was working with Tyler from the band IO and he's a very, um, instrumental, uh, heavy person. Like he loves atmospheres and everything. And so when I sent him the songs and we worked through stuff, I was like, I want this to feel, um, like, like people are in the room with me, like feeling this. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we got that down. Um, that's why I feel like this, this project, um, the problem of pain i feel like that's a lot more um, vibrant in a lot of ways whereas i feel like farewell has two of my favorite tracks that i've ever done uh, active ghosts and bastard son mm-hmm. um, those truly feel like those feel like songs that are even like above me beyond me Like, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I don't even, I didn't even write those songs (laughs) because I truly think they're better than anything I've done. And that's weird because then I look at this project that I did now and I look at it as a whole and I think it's better than anything I've done, period. Mm -hmm. And, but I still think those two songs are up on this (laughs) pedestal. So when I was going to work on this album, I was like, I don't want it. I don't want me to feel like I'm trying to redo those songs. I want this whole thing to feel, I want to feel as confident in this whole thing that I do in those two songs. Mm -hmm. And so when it came to creating this whole thing, I was like, I want every, that is being said or I'm doing in the song, I want it to be felt. And I want everyone to recognize that like, while I went through a lot of shit to make this album, (laughs) it is, it is worth it because I feel like someone will have something to relate to on each track. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I was thankful um, for working on this one. Whereas the last album was if you lost someone, that's probably the people that related to it the most. Whereas Mm -hmm. on this album, I think more people will relate to it. I think it's a little bit more accessible in that way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned like multiple of the previous releases, which you Mm -hmm. kind of revisited for certain tracks on this new album. Yeah. Um, so like, what was, what made you choose to revisit those? And like, what, how did their, their meanings kind of change?
1: So I did that with three of the songs. You, uh, you nailed that. And I think <laughs> that I mentioned that in the Kickstarter. Um, though, the reason I did that was I changed my moniker from another musician to Fragile Bird. And, uh, I don't feel like a musician anymore. That's basically the reason why. <laughs> and, um, but I still wanted to pay homage to, um, the stuff that I've written in the past. And um, I guess I did that with four of the songs, (laughs) man. actually, um, which is fine because it's all stuff that has like been a part of me. So with um, um, In My Lungs, it's basically rehashing a lot of the feelings from Farewell and a lot of those emotions. Um, And then I Fed Them Fire uh, is something that is... I'm excited for people to hear because it's all words from the very first thing I ever wrote this album that will never see the light of day again um but it has some of my favorite lines that I've ever written in it and so I was like I want to actually put this thing out together Uh, in a song and Mm. that's what I encapsulated so like that's the the emotion was I want someone to at least hear some of these words if they don't hear how terribly I recorded those songs in 2010 (laughs) I recorded that whole thing with a a webcam microphone
0: oh wow
1: (laughs) it was so bad
0: not even a blue yeti
1: (laughs) no it was bad this was like 10 years ago I had no idea what I was doing I even put (laughs) for one of the songs i even put the it was a detachable webcam too so i just put the webcam to record i put it in the guitar for some of (laughs) (laughs)
0: them i was so dumb that's quite the technique (laughs) (laughs) so that was bad
1: um (laughs) and then uh with incomplete and imperfect uh that track takes uh words from my album into the fire which is this idea of um truly feeling like I'm not a perfect person and that's like okay and um really that also really touches a lot of my my walk and my faith that I kind of lost over the years um so I kind of touch a little bit on that and I think that's important also with the whole landscape of the album having a c.s lewis scope to it um it's really important that 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 song is included and then preach uh comes from the 12s 12 hour story thing that we we did in college and um 12 hour song project that we did in college and um that is on Bandcamp. people can listen to that Mm -hmm. if they want to for some reason but it has some of it was one of my favorite stories that i've ever written basically um and so i wanted to encapsulate that entire album that story into one song Mm -hmm. and so all of those things i think are important to me and important to the stuff that i've created their own standalone things so that people could still experience some of the stuff i've written in the past in Mm -hmm. hopes that they'll be like oh Maybe I'll go listen to those songs too. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it'll work, but I had fun writing them.
0: Yeah. I mean, so like, can you compare the process of like originally creating those songs with the process of kind of rebirthing them? And then oh also boy. compare that to like the process of creating the new songs for this album.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Just so like the general
0: actually... feel. You don't need to go like super in <laughs> depth, <laughs> Of course. No, 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 wait, no,
1: I was actually, I'm glad that you, um, you asked that because Um, Writing those songs initially was like, um, for a couple of those, for everything I wrote until Farewell, like, so I started getting sober in 2013, 2012, 2013, I can't remember, Um, one of those years. And so for a couple of those albums, I was drinking a lot. And so the process of putting those together was me drinking and crying and trying to figure out how to play guitar. (laughs) The process was much different then. Um, So what I I liked doing was taking all of the words, just straight up copy and pasting all the lyrics in a document, and then just getting rid of the ones that I didn't want to use and then just moving stuff around, just Mm -hmm. feeling like where the flow was and how it would work. And um, that was actually a lot of fun to just see what kind of story I could tell with all of these words. Um, I actually did something like that in college with my, my college metal band. We wrote a song called Skies Explode, uh, which is using song titles from the band Explosions in the Sky. Um, every, lyric, every lyric is a song title from Explosions in the Sky. So that was the first time that I did something like that. And I just had a lot of fun doing it again. And then writing the new things also very interesting, because I had a whole bunch of songs written on guitar, and I was actually playing with them, playing them with a band. Um, we had about six or seven of them ready, ish. Um, and then I got hit by a car, which you might remember. Um, and uh, that that stopped that entire process for a very long time. And I didn't really pick up the guitar for a while. My wrist wasn't very good for playing guitar. Um, But I still had all of those songs and all those lyrics. And so Problem of Pain, Full of Fear, I Might Dissolve, um, Be Patient. A lot of those songs include and were uh, Frankensteined together from all of the songs that I was working on with guitar. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm not going to trash everything. I'm basically going to try to Frankenstein a bunch of stuff together and then add and then just flush these ideas out and have fun with them. Because mm-hmm. I was basically writing, The Problem of Pain was going to be a full band album initially. But then I decided to just go this, tra- this route. Mm-hmm. Much- much happier with it, it's much easier than recording a full band, cheaper. And so um, this whole project, putting Frankenstein songs together and um, really fleshing out a lot of ideas was um, really rewarding because I think we got some good stuff.
0: Yeah, and like when it was in its full band iteration, were you still like leaning more towards the straight on like spoken word poetry style no
1: Mm -mm. nope it was more like post-hardcore um so it was kind of like um we were kind of going for um kind of like early pianos become the teeth um that was mixed with like a lot of spew um which is like my bag of tricks and we had a couple songs that felt more like me without you which are like all three bands that are like top tier for me and so um the spoken word aspect still existed to a degree Mm -hmm. but it was more of um just more yelling than anything else (laughs) and actual actual true song structure Mm -hmm. that we were following um rather than just something like a beat or like a piano part played through for four
0: minutes or something Mm -hmm. like that That's really interesting. I feel like that'd be cool to see the demos surface at some point in the future.
1: I have, yeah, I have all of the even guitar demos that we were going to do for this album, because originally, um, this little Inside Baseball, we were going to do two split EPs. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: One was going to be me doing acoustic guitar songs, and then the other was going to be me doing spoken word pieces. We were just going to do... So like if it was pressed on vinyl, it'd be one side of each. Um, that was my idea, that was my goal. But then I was like, you know what, let's just do all spoken word. <laughs>
0: um, and yeah, I mean, you had mentioned, um, you know, the album that you wrote kind of like based on C.S. Lewis, uh, C.S. Lewis's works before, and you know, mm-hmm. this is obviously he- heavily influenced and kind of starts off with a quote from him. Um, mm-hmm. What, like, what is it about C.S. Lewis that kind of like gives you that inspiration?
1: Um, I think the most important thing about C.S. Lewis is he, so like, a couple things. I love how introspective he was about faith, and how critical he was of faith, and how critical he was of the human experience, rather than everyone kind of like remembering him for Chronicles of Narnia, (laughs) which is basically what he wrote. To make his kids happy at the end of his career people don't like focus on that at the end of his career he wrote his kids as a gift um but everything he wrote before that is him being kind of a crotchety old man uh a little bit of an asshole too which i'm fine with uh (laughs) i have uh i have a tattoo for the screw tape letters um on me uh just like a a feather like a like quill written um (laughs) Uh, screw tape letters was really important to me in understanding faith. Same, uh, same with um, the abolition of man. A grief observed is really important to me. Um, the the way he tackles discussing divorce and loss and fear and pain and suffering um, is really like what made me gravitate even toward like dedicating the album to literally his book called The Problem of Pain. So um, I really wanted to like pay homage to that um, and still have like a good uplifting message throughout the, throughout the album.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, starting the intro slash title track with, you know, a quote, um, basically kind of like saying from him kind of like, you know, God's either not all powerful or not truly good because yeah. know, people suffer. Um, That's how the album starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> um,
1: it's like, does God actually matter? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which, I mean, I honestly, my only experience with C.S. Lewis is from the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, But from, like, the quick Wikipedia, um, it, it seems like that quote is kind of within the context of, you know, saying that, but that at the same time, that doesn't mean that, like, just because we mm-hmm. suffer doesn't necessarily mean that God isn't all-powerful or good. Exactly. Um. So, like, I'm curious how... What's your like intention for like how people would react to that, especially mm. considering they may not have that context? Like it might be kind of like more of a knee-jerk reaction.
1: That's fair. Um, and I think so. This song was actually gonna be the last track on the album. Um, when I first had like worked out the the uh, track listing on everything, I was like, yeah, it'd be cool to end with that one. But then I was like, no. Let's start with it, because I think that would just kick it off with a bang. And the main reason that I, I gravitate towards that um, quote so much is it really um, it really lands regardless of if you have the context, because I think that I explore that context a little bit more throughout the album, mm-hmm. um, because I do discuss relationships with God, relationships with faith, faith relationship with, um, like human suffering in general and that idea that maybe um god whatever whomever it is may actually matter them more than we think it does um because we don't put enough time or effort into thinking about it because at at a certain level I may have lost my faith along the way, but I still have certain beliefs beliefs in the universe. Mm-hmm. And so I still don't know where those collide. So I think there's a lot of me working that out mm-hmm. in this as well. So I expected that first opening to be an introspective moment for some people. Um, and the guy who made the music for it, Kevin Klein, is from the band Valley Heart. And Valley Heart is like a, Kevin and Valley Heart are pretty spiritual bands i felt that he would be like the right person to like at least connect with the words um in knowing that it was going to be one of those introspective kind of pieces not necessarily saying like god is all good not saying (laughs) that god is not good but saying does it matter like does any of this matter
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i mean i feel like it also kind of like encourages you to kind of like find your own answers and like look into it deeper, um, which I think is kind of like really interesting, especially compared with like the ambient music that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of lends itself to that kind of contemplativeness. Um, mm-hmm. I guess, can you talk a little bit about like that pairing of the the lyrical themes that you have with the the style of music that you chose to back it?
1: Yeah. So there are three atmospheric pieces that have that like post-rock kind of feel to it that are just like kind of, I don't know, feel like you're floating with it. Um, And I wanted those to like be the ones where um, people really focused on what I was saying. And I think that especially opening the album with one of those um, was really important to me because like I wanted to set the tone. Mm -hmm. um and then when incomplete and imperfect comes around it's after like a bunch of chaos but it's right before uh i might dissolve which is probably the most chaotic song on the album so it's a little bit of a an interlude but it's like a pretty important interlude um and then to end with be patient with me um i felt that that's the the bright spot at the end of the tunnel (laughs) um where like there's a lot of like uh, optimism there at the end um, so all, I feel like all three of those tracks while playing a different part in the album are still very um, um, like essential to like telling like the themes of what I'm going through in the album what the listeners going through mm-hmm. um, there's also gospel which I do kind of also consider one of the atmospheric songs but it's more of a droning so I like when I first played the backing music for gospel to my partner they were like I do not like that (laughs) because it's just like a drone it's just Mm -hmm. like a drone that like you don't feel like much happens but that's exactly what I wanted because I knew the performance is what was going to juxtapose it so like those are the tracks that I really wanted the words to land Mm -hmm. and not be distracted by a whole lot of other stuff
0: for sure yeah and I mean I think there's also some like really cool you know, playing with like left, right panning, especially like stuck to me, especially on like in my lungs. Um, was that something that you were like intentionally searching for, for the record? And is it like, how do you kind of like ideally picture someone listening to it? Like I, I was using headphones, I actually have a program that mm-hmm. kind of like simulates 3d surround sound. And like, mm. especially uh, like that, it was really cool. It made it sound like so big on some of your vocal performances too, on some of the tracks.
1: So I think the one that matters the most to me is uh, I Might Dissolve, because that is the, that's the one that I think is gonna make some people jump <laughs> a little bit. Um, I, I imagine the first time you heard it, you were like, where the hell did this come from? Uh, but uh, Greg Nahabidian, who wrote that, is like known in this area for making very um, spastic, chaotic, all over the place kind of music writing out a list of people i wanted to connect with on this album greg was like one of the top people just because i knew that they would give me something to really perform with (laughs) and especially that very beginning of the track um it's very alarming it's the song is supposed to mirror an anxiety attack and so you're supposed to be jarred you're supposed to be uh put in this world of like i don't know what's going on i don't know what i'm hearing right now um but I feel like that panning, we also used some wah effect to the, to the vocals, um, and really tried to invert some of the, some of the effects. So it just like was really really distorted as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the rest of the delivery, I try to mimic as best as possible. Um, Saul Williams, who was like my favorite poet performer, um, I kind of like do a similar read to one of his pieces that I really like. Um, Just like kind of inspired me to do that. And then Walt Whitman's at the end of that one, which I love. And I love (laughs) Walt Whitman and I reference how I used to recite Walt Whitman in hopes that people would sleep with me in college. Um, (laughs) But yeah, playing with the vocals was a lot of fun. And a lot of that was Daniel. I would tell him uh, some of my ideas for like what – I wanted it to sound like, what kind of room I wanted it to sound like I was in, um, how to distort certain words, how to like put emphasis on certain words and phrases. Um, Yeah, and at the end of uh, In My Lungs, there's a lot of that, I don't feel any closer to you, um, kind of fading away and fading out. That happens at the end of Full of Fear as well. So there's just a lot we wanted to play with because my voice is like really the only other instrument that we had a lot of Um, power over Mm -hmm. and um, to be honest I had a very recent influence of why I wanted to mess around with it more and that was the new remixes of the La Dispute Panorama album Mm -hmm. Um, just because I listened to how much they messed with Jordan Dreyer's voice I was like let's mess with mine let's have (laughs) fun (laughs) so that's basically what we did with it
0: nice yeah and I mean in the Kickstarter, you mentioned that like you know, the the finishing of the project kind of happened in quarantine, um, you know, pretty much totally remotely. Um, yep. So like, how did that kind of affect the way you think things turned out? And um, like, do you think, did that kind of like, like you mentioned that kind of like last minute uh, inspiration, like, do you think it kind of like allowed for stuff like that to be changed later in the game? So
1: I think things would have, been a much much more uh streamlined if Daniel and I were together recording all of this stuff together. <laughs> but luckily uh we socially distanced and uh he let me like grab a microphone and I like just picked it up at his place and um we basically were in touch almost every single day for two weeks while I was working on all oh, the vocals. Wow. <laughs> um and like he would uh Skype in or zoom in and we would just chat about a couple things here and there. But um having his support and his influence was probably the most important thing and made this album what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as this album is an album that I made, he he has a signature on it. Um, and which is wild because um, if you're familiar with his band, Future Teens, Nothing on this album sounds like. <laughs> For sure. So, so, um, and I didn't know that he made instrumental music before we started talking. And then he was like, "If you want to use one of my pieces, you can." And I was like, "Great!" So I did. <laughs> and um, that was something that, um, regardless of the circumstance that we were in quarantine, I think it gave me the time and the focus to do it. -hmm. Um, But I think that if we were able to be together, it would have been much more cohesive. We'd probably have a couple more memories to talk about. But um, (laughs) being distanced apart um, just like made it so that we had to do everything remote, Mm -hmm. which isn't my favorite, but
0: (laughs) fair enough. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned a couple minutes ago um, how I Might Dissolve kind of is intended to like mirror an anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. And you said in the Kickstarter how it's like kind of been helpful as a way to kind of like explain to people what that feels like for you um which I feel like that's also kind of like an interesting decision to make considering you know lots of times people go to music to either relax or kind of um you know as some sort of release um so like what was kind of like the thoughts that went into you know including that and having it be you know the kind of um, Uh, uh, kind of uh get the emotions out of people that it does
1: (laughs) yeah um see so to that point in the album really the only like true outbursts are at the end of gospel and like the beginning of i fed them fire and a little i fed them fire is like a huge performance but it's not that personal Mm. um once you get to i might dissolve it's i I toyed with putting it earlier in the album, Mm -hmm. but I figured that putting it later in the album was really important because people have warmed up to me, um, Mm -hmm. warmed up to the project. And so once it comes in, um, I wanted it to challenge people and I want it to challenge the way that we view what spoken word can be, um, because I wanted all of this to feel like each of these tracks are performed and probably my number two performance on the album is I Might Dissolve. And it's a very juxtaposing track Mm. and it is not an easy listen. Um, Even the first time that Greg sent me the music, I was like, what, what, ah, what? (laughs) what? It starts like that. Okay. All right. And then I listened to it over and over again and I was like, all right, I'm in. And so I just basically, I had to record that one while my partner was gone because I didn't want them to think that something wild was going on in the spare room while i was recording it um just because i wanted to really get in that mindset of um while you thought this album was going to just be a kickback kind of easy listen that's not how life is that's not how like my experience is either and i'm not one of those people to just be like um suck it up buttercup i'm one of those people to just be like experience this like feel this because at the end of that song I share one of the most important Walt Whitman quotes that is beautiful and it like ties everything together. So it's like one of those things where like, cause that quote used to always get me through some stuff. And it was really funny. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Julian Baker shared that exact same quote on her Instagram and I text her cause we have text <laughs> exchanges together. It's a weird world. And I was like, Hey, guess what? And she was like, Holy shit, that's great. So, um, it's one of those things where like, if you can just get through this song and get to the end of the song, it's a huge payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's why that track specifically matters a lot to me, but it's also the one that makes me the most anxious about it being on the album, which is <laughs> super ironic. ironic. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you've mentioned a couple of times kind of wanting, you know, despite whatever darkness or, you know, questions there are within the album, like wanting it to overall have like a positive message. And I think that yeah, um, Be Patient With Me as like the kind of final track, certainly it, it hit me that way um, when I first listened to it. Um, So I'm just curious if you could tell me, you know, what can you tell me about that song and kind of like ex- expand upon it? <laughs> so it was
1: originally a track that was with like an acoustic guitar, I performed, a music video of it in this room that I'm sitting in right now. Um, it's on. Uh, I think uh, there's a link to it on the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love how I pl- I love how that song sounds on guitar. You can listen to it on Spotify, on my Bandcamp, everything. The original version of that song. Um, but I fleshed it out for this project because I wanted to say some more. And um, it is a song that ties a lot to my eating disorder that I live with, and losing my dad, and how those two things are connected. People wouldn't realize that they're connected, but they are, um, because whenever I would go to the grocery store, I would call my dad, and I would talk to him on the phone, and he would kind of get me through the, through the visit, just because I like to entertain him by talking about people, and behind their backs, judging <laughs> people. It was fun. My dad and I just, I used to always go to the store with him, And so when he died, I didn't really have that anymore. And so it kind of bummed me out going to grocery stores. And so one of the things that is troubling about having an eating disorder is you also just have to be patient with yourself because like, as I sit here right now, I have a workbook on intuitive eating that my therapist and I talk about or go through together. And I am still working on this stuff. I'm still trying to figure out how to be a better person, how to be a better eater, how to be nicer to myself, how to practice self-care. So the song is really like the self-care song. Mm -hmm. Like, be patient with me. I'm still figuring this out. I'm still figuring out how to get through this stuff. And so are you. Mm -hmm. So that's that's kind of the the end of it is I wanted people to just be like comfortable with the fact that like we're not gonna have all the answers. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like as long as you have a little bit of patience, we can get we can get there. Mm
0: Yeah. I think that's pretty uh, fitting that that's a song that has multiple versions too. (laughs) Yeah. What, what, if you had to make a third version of it, what would it sound like? (laughs) I think it would be,
1: um, I think it would be a full band, like jazzed out track Um, because like me and my buddy Frankie, who was drumming with me while we were working on a lot of these songs, we had like a version of it that I have some of the recordings of that was just like super like chill out jazz style vibes. And I loved playing that. And I think it would be really fun to do that one day.
0: Very cool. Um, and this is just kind of a random question, but I'm, mm-hmm. it seems like you're very intentional with everything surrounding the project. So mm-hmm. I and I'm always curious uh, when it comes to like capitalizations of song titles and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I'm just curious because <laughs> like you know some of them are full caps, some of them are no caps, some of them are if full of fear is you know, properly quote unquote capitalized for the first mm-hmm. part. And then the parentheticals mm-hmm. are all lowercase. Damn. <laughs> I was,
1: uh, I was hoping someone would catch on to that. <laughs> so the and the four atmospheric tracks, um, problem of pain, gospel, um, incomplete and imperfect and be patient with me are all lowercase because they are all the instrumental or the atmospheric tracks. And then full of fear. um, it is what it is, full of fear. <laughs> and then um, out of fear are supposed to be uh, partner tracks to a degree. They're partnered tracks. Um, and then also with preach, those three um, were also all three going to have parentheticals, but I decided to not um, because I also wanted preach to be, um, those three are very, um, they're structurally similar in the way that i think about them because they're it's the same thing repeated Mm -hmm. and then the other three um are in all caps in my lungs i've had them fire and i might dissolve because they're the most structurally like advantageous um so i just wanted those to be demarcated that way so it was just a little bit a little bit of something that I was playing around with, <laughs> um, but on all streaming service except for Bandcamp, they are going to be in proper caps, which bums me out because uh, <laughs> I'm not like a major label and can't get people to finesse that for me. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember some. I don't remember what band it was, but like I think oh it might have been Insignificant Other last year. I think mm-hmm. they at first had like it was all properly quote unquote on Bandcamp and Spotify and stuff. And they had to like, or not Bandcamp, probably the other ones, but, uh, and they had to like make a stink about it in order to get mm-hmm. it all like de-spaced to the way they wanted it. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Cause I wanted to play around with that more. And then like, I actually took away the parentheticals on out of fear and preach while I was submitting the songs. And I was just like, you know what? I just don't want these on them anymore, but um full of fear. It is what it is. has always been the title of that song. So. Mm-hmm. I wanted to keep that.
0: Nice. And um, I we've been going kind of long already, but I definitely, I wanted <laughs> to hit, I wanted to hit on, Art of Survival and just kind of yeah. get the word out there. And maybe I'll have you and Katie both back on sometime in yeah. the future. But uh, like, what can you tell the audience about Art of Survival? So we
1: started Art of Survival four years ago, and it was a project that would help, um, that helps trauma survivors tell their stories. So sexual assault survivors, um, survivors of self-harm, suicide, ideation, mental illness, uh, Queer uh, stories, just tell their story, and we gave them a space and gave a website for it. It's artistsurvival.com. Um, you can read all the stories that we've shared. We haven't shared a story in a while, primarily because we switched the project um, to not just being online, but also being at gigs. So we we sponsor the bands. We send them out um, with a bunch of zines and pamphlets and stickers and fun stuff for people to learn and educate themselves and educate others, um, and that became like one of the big things that we did over the last year. Just playing a bunch of shows. Katie went on two tours. Um, they toured with uh, Sharp Tooth on the As It Is Sharp Tooth tour and Free Throw um, for the nonprofit. Like that was a whole thing that they got to do. Uh, we had another one lined up at the end of at the beginning of this year, but it fell through. Um, But that's just a cool project that I'm really thankful that we've been working on. Um, And once all this quarantine stuff comes to a close, hopefully we'll be doing some more with it, too. Thank you for wanting to share that. I really appreciate
0: that. Yeah, of course. I mean, when you are tabling, I was able to see all this stuff. And obviously I've been following along for a while anyway. So, you know, always happy to get the word out. Um, Yeah. And I always like to wrap up the same way by, you know, kind of asking for either a piece of advice or something philosophical or just something you've been like thinking about lately. Um, Doesn't necessarily have to be about music. um, Just that you, something you'd like to share with the audience.
1: So I've been struggling a lot during the quarantine with just um, forgiving myself when I make decisions and when I feel like I'm not doing enough. And I think that it's just important. And this kind of goes along with something that I, I wrote years ago for farewell. It's just like learning how to forgive yourself. And I have to like think and remind myself that every day and, um, whether it's with food or decisions I make or the people I talk to or, um, whatnot, it's just important that like, we're going to make mistakes and, and like, that's fine. Um, we're imperfect beings and that's okay. It's just more, more important that you give yourself grace and peace within the decisions you make, knowing that you can make better ones, knowing that you can do better, knowing that we can all learn. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I have really tried to like latch on to over the last few years. So one of the lines that I was really glad that I got to include in the album comes from the band S-Cities Burn. Mm -hmm. and it's uh grace make your way down to the earth for those for those who deserve it because after all they've earned it and um i use like a smaller version of that but that's that's a line that is always like stuck in my head where like give yourself grace allow others to give you grace and give others grace um because we all we're all in this together to some degree so try to like be chill with each other
0: there we go even if spoken word sounds like something entirely out of your wheelhouse and it's not typically in mine, i highly suggest you listen there's some beautiful music powerful messages and the vocal performances are uniquely inspiring special thank you to craig for taking the time to talk and thank you as always to the alternative for helping to promote the show kaylin west of tiny stills for the theme song and Michaela jane palermo for the artwork You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at flyonthecallpod at gmail.com. Never stop fighting for the cause that you believe in.